0: Human first, everything else after. Welcome to What's Betwixt Us? Stories of Working While Human. I'm Lissa Mandel. What's Betwixt Us is a series of conversations about empathy at work at work. It's about diving into the messiness and the specificity of being human on the job, any job and how empathy isn't just a nice-sounding buzzword for company PR. It's a rebellious act of remembering that we're human first, everything else after. Today on What's Betwixt Us, I chat with the sparkling Lauren Leslie. Lauren is a bit of a unicorn. She sits at the center of the Venn diagram between finance and musical theater, a passionate pursuit from her past that naturally informs her work. From seeing suits and ties as costumes to being the only woman in the room, Lauren injects the fresh breath of empathy into an industry where it is often lacking. Please enjoy Episode 7, Could Be, Who Knows, Empathy and Finance with Lauren Leslie. All right, well, Lauren Leslie, I'm so happy to have you on the What's Betwixt Us podcast. And I'm a little bit nervous because... (laughs) You work in the world of uh, finance, which is so completely foreign to me that I'm going to need your guidance as well as you needing mine. So welcome.
1: Thank you. It's lovely to be here.
0: Um, You have such already such a delightful, light, playful voice. Um, (laughs) It it, it, it takes me aback a little bit because um, knowing the world in which you, you work every day, I wonder if you would consider yourself a novelty uh
1: great opener um (laughs) yeah (laughs) I do I always I always called myself um a bit of a a square peg um Mm -hmm. you know I have a background in theater I was a musical theater uh major uh coming to New York um and kind of you know Hitting the pavement, trying to make my way on old Broadway.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, as we all do. <laughs> uh,
1: right, um, and after that, uh, you know, exercise. I, com- you know, completely exhausted myself by about twenty-eight, and you know, decided to, you know, just consider my life a series of chapters. And so I went into um, a new chapter, but I have been in finance for 20 years. And yes, I am the type of person who, you know, I probably have too many exclamation marks in my emails. Um, I would rather give a quick hug than a handshake. Um, I'm incredibly, uh, I would say, out of the box and spilling over in many ways uh compared to my colleagues in this field
0: <laughs> oh i love i love that language and i resonate with it so much out of the box and spilling yes i frequently so i'm a, you know i also come from the world of theater um and then eventually comedy and i and i say a lot that i feel like 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag <laughs> <laughs> but um I think of it as such a positive thing and if I could I would multiply you and and kind of plant you all over the place especially oh in this Well you're
1: starting with such kindness thank you so much it's yeah. really refreshing to hear actually because um you know when you are in a world where most of the reflection is binary and you know just not really feeling into all of the various humanistic uh, characteristic things that we all carry around with us and sort of denying that, uh, it's strange. And so it's, it's refreshing to me, um, that that's, you know, um, the spilling over part is not an inconvenience because certainly, you know, in my industry, like, you know, to survive, I've learned to kind of, you know, cut off here and there and stuff things in pockets.
0: Well, yeah. And I would, I would love for you to talk more about that as specifically as you feel comfortable, mm-hmm. um, because t- to come from a world of theater, which really is just letting it all hang out. And it's all about softness and feelings and flexibility. And then to insert yourself this so-called square peg um, into such a corporate like right angles, left brain environment. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious about if you could go back 20 years ago when you first made that transition, how, how it felt to you, the culture shock, what that felt like to you?
1: Oh, that's such an interesting question. Um, uh, what did it feel like? Uh, I mean, I would say that I was consumed with fear at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was also, I would say, very awakening because um, I was challenging myself uh, at, at such an extreme every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, it was my first introduction to, I would say the, the ability to learn when you're, it's not like, like, same, same. Mm. Um, and so, you know, my, my learning curve was, you know, pretty stark because everything was brand new. Everything. I mean, you know, frankly, I, I, it, this is one very specific memory that's just popping up. Is that and, you know, this is back in uh, 2000. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm going um, to this temp job that then turned into semi permanent, permanent, mm-hmm. and kind of my entryway into um, a new industry. And you know, first couple of days uh, on the job, um, I learned what email was. <laughs> <laughs> like so embarrassing okay because you know I remember pulling up Outlook and Outlook was you know I mean it it was kind of newish I mean not everybody used it right um and I had never seen anything like it in my life I had no idea how to use it and it, it it was just the small little basic functioning things that everyone everyone knows now that uh you know i you take for granted now, but at that time, it was just like, every single day was shocking. And I would, I would just, I spend my whole day quietly looking things up on the side. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so I can, so I could speak, uh, learning a new language. Absolutely. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but obviously, so, so, okay. So you got into the world through temp. To, so yeah. did you, you did an angle specifically for this industry or you just said, I'm going to roll the dice and see where, where the temp industry puts me and see if I can stick with it.
1: Yeah, it was a very specific moment. Um, you know, that I can recall like it was yesterday. So I was, I went to a call for beauty and the beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at actors equity that I believe was on 46th street at the time. Uh, it was five in the morning, which was the the time to go yep. back in those days. Um, I, got the, you know, idea through backstage, which was a physical newspaper. Those right. days. And, you know, I, I, I thought, and I was, you know, tired at that point. I'd, you know, you know been in the city doing the pound um, the pavement for quite some time. And, uh, you know, I showed up and I saw a line around the block. Yeah. And I studied the faces of the people who were waiting and they too looked tired. And, you know, some of them had brought chairs and newspapers and their, you know, favorite mug of tea or whatever. But there, I didn't like the energy. And at that point, I had figured out enough that all of these people are not even waiting to get a principal role. They're, they're waiting to get, you know, possibly a chorus person from the second, you know, X on the line. And I, I found, I found that to be, uh, too depressing for me to bear. And so I kept walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kept walking. Um, and I found myself, you know, I, there, you know, back in the day of payphones as well, called my mother sobbing, <laughs> um, some, somehow, you know, pulled it together in the coming week to, um, go to a few temp agencies, mm-hmm. you know, again, brand new world and stupid skills that, um, are not, you know, I shouldn't call them stupid, but, like, just things you never thought of, right. um, like, so now, it was super, super important to type quickly, like, no, that never came up right. in no. acting class, right, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I had a whole new level of judging myself on all of these skills that I'd never acquired, um, really, again, like, freaked out, but just kept pushing myself, kept going, and um, just uh, ended up uh, on the, you know, doorstep of this kind of startup equity shop. And, um, I don't know what they saw in me, whether it was a stick-to-itiveness, uh, after a couple of weeks, or maybe I, they, I have different little spring in my step or something, but, um, they asked me to stay.
0: Well, so I that mean, was the opening. You, uh, you have already mentioned the idea of the energy, the energy, not feeling good in a place, mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I imagine that's what that, uh, equity shop, um, Saw uh, when they met you, um, and I love—I live for stories like the one you just told me. Stories <laughs> of moments of pivot, of aha moments, epiphanies, breakthroughs, and I—I um, I guess I wonder um so many years later obviously you found something in this industry that is very compelling to you because you're not the type of person i think who would just stick around something if it wasn't feeding you in some way um and so i would love if you would talk a little bit about that the ways in which it feeds your soul and so to speak can you even talk about soul and finance um i don't think
1: yeah. so no <laughs> i know we tuned the uh, video off but I, my face was just Oh, wow. That's so refreshing even to hear that word, but a uh, couple <laughs> with <wins> finance
0: now. <laughs> but you've stuck with it. And so, and you're a smart person. So what is it that, that you love about your job? Maybe you could describe what oh. your job is. Cause to me it is, it, it just, scares me even to say the word finance, so I don't understand right. it.
1: At well, all. And it was, everything has to be like so incredibly serious, right? Yes. Um, it's just, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, exactly. titles are serious, and meetings are serious, and the, you know, the costumes, are, they're definitely costumes that we <laughs> choose every day are, are quite serious and similar, many blue shirts. Um, yeah, so I think I, you know, I enjoy, and I have enjoyed over the last 20 years, uh, pushing myself and challenging myself in a direction that was so very different um, from where I started. Um, I think it also became like a a challenge to me uh, because as soon as I opened up uh, my aperture in a different way and I realized, wait, there's this whole world out there that I didn't know existed. And, And especially as a woman, um, you know, really, frankly, w- wasn't invited. Um, and so I, I worked diligently to get to a point where, um, I, you know, am the quote unquote face of the firm. I run the marketing investor relations, business development. And what that translates to is, you know, I'm the one that investors come to, or I you know go to them. It's iterative. Uh, but I can hold them through the process of investing in, in, in our, in our particular equity fund, it is just a portfolio, mm-hmm. uh, but it, you know, I, you know, I speak to it and, um, you know, just kind of, you know, manage that side of the business.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds so, it's interesting. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just, um, the way you described it, it sounds like you help people to feel, sa- you hold people's hands to feel safe. That the, the thing that their assets, the things that are dearly mm-hmm. important to them, are taken care of, which yeah.
1: sounds—that's a feelings way of describing it, which I love. Yeah. Um. And and I think that's accurate. Yes. Um. I I also found um, you know that I'm particularly good with difficult people,
0: mm. and
1: uh this. Industry that I'm in uh, attracts very difficult people, uh, <laughs> extreme personalities. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. So theater, R- rigid, but you know, there's. I mean, I think you know because of the uh, the economics of it, it also attracts a lot of really brilliant, interesting minds that are emotionally underdeveloped. So, yeah. uh, I think you know, I found this niche sort of place to exist, thrive, and be of value, Mm -hmm. um, and of, and of purpose, uh, in a, because I would be, I, I suppose, like if, you know, probably terrible analogy, but, you know, I would be, uh, the, the, the green rooted, you know, plant. Yes. popping up through a cement type of situation. Um, So I think I surprise people. Um, you know, I also can relate with a lot of people. Um, I think I, I, I do, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but I do think that I, I do have a fairly, you know, high emotion, you know, EQ. So, oh, I'm you can go like, ahead and say it. I, know, I just don't want to, you know, you don't want to seem like that, but, um, <laughs> it's something that's come easy to me, I, uh, my whole life. And I, I'll, I'll, I think that's a good way to frame it. Uh, the emotions of existence, because have, I've always found it so quite strange that, you know, we live uh, in a world that, you know, sometimes can seem like uh, a set or something. It can feel or uh, look on the surface very two-dimensional, and people function in it like that sometimes when it's anything but, uh, but we just have these masks that we put on. You know, in my industry, it's a very mask- "Quote unquote," um, oriented industry. Mm. People who are wearing these masks don't even know they're wearing them. They don't know they're just um, they're just not accessible, uh, you know. But I somehow I think am able to open up enough uh, a piece of them that they do feel, you know, safe. And there's a they wouldn't use that word, but uh, there, there's a connectivity that happens that is warm.
0: Yeah. And you you basically just answered what my next question was going to be, which was, how have you brought your theatrical training and experience into your world? And it sounds like you are able to frame your world in that way, which, which makes it less intimidating. If you think of it as masks and costumes and a set, it's less intimidating than saying, oh, these kinds of people who are in this world are just too different from the kind of person I am. Rather, mm. you're able to see them as people who are wearing costumes and masks. And- no, that's,
1: it, yeah, I mean, the the way you're rephrasing it even makes it um, a little more fascinating to, you know, feel into. Um, yes, but I, I I would agree. I'm also... You know, a bit of a mimic monkey, and so uh, <laughs> I've been able to, right, which I'm sure you are as well. Um, like I, I've been able to uh, adapt uh, over, you know, all of these years to be able to, you know, speak in a manner um, that it, it's it's really just listen, listen and repeat. Um, sure, or and not having the math, you know, mathematic abilities or a background um in analysis uh or financial analysis more specifically but that um I'm able to I sort of I hear it uh and I'm able to kind of um repeat repeat it back into uh the world into investors ears in a way that's comforting yes.
0: but
1: but the the source knowledge is not my own.
0: Yes, but the comforting part it's almost like because of who you are, you're able to sneak that softness in um, and people feel comfortable, but they probably don't even know why they just, yeah. which is so Possibly. amazing to me. It's almost like, like I'm picturing you wearing a superhero costume almost. Um, and uh, cause I was going to ask, like when you're in that kind of world every day,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, how do you, First of all learn how to compartmentalize the really soft vulnerable parts of yourself so that they don't get hurt well let's start with that yeah uh, i wonder if you could speak to that
1: let's open that door um well i mean i um i was thinking before this call you know you i know you didn't want me to you know prepare in any way but um you had <laughs> met nobody you had just mentioned broadly yes. you know about uh empathy in the workplace and just um you know, times when you have felt it and times when you have not. Yeah. And it's, it was a really interesting exercise to kind of um, feel into. And I realized that I, I probably, in the moments that I, that came up and that I ad- identified, I probably, you know, was, it was a recognition of the softer part of me. The part of me that is like, you know, having to, you um, it forced myself into a more, uh, I would, I would say rigid, <laughs> emotionally rigid place, which is, uh, not, um, it's not second nature for
0: me. Right. Do you have some specific examples that you can think of, of when you noticed going into that place? Um, like, uh, is it in the interactions with colleagues? Is it in meetings? Is it do you feel a shift happen when you're speaking to certain people?
1: Uh, This, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think it's, it's something that has evolved with, um, as I've, um, gotten older. Mm Uh, so when I was younger, I just, um, you know, especially being a woman in an industry that's male dominated, Mm -hmm. um, I, I was always just incredibly grateful to be the only woman in the room. Because yeah. there was there was only one seat available. Yeah, I was super grateful for it. Uh, so I wouldn't say much. I would just eat it, mm-hmm. take it in, um, and process it outside of the workplace. Yeah. But as I've as I've gotten older, and more specifically, I would say post Me Too movement. Um, I I have felt you know the reverberation within me, the voice that cannot be contained. Uh-huh. The, you know, that, that, that power within me that I have now um, realized that's not just about me, Lauren, this woman, this human, that is a collective, uh, a collective female voice that is like, no more, man, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, so I am speaking up more. And so the soft place comes out instead of vulnerable and weak, it comes out as power. And it comes out as power with empathy, frankly, not to like circle back to the whole theme of what you're doing, this, you. but, but it really is. It, um, it, because I don't know, and not to make this a whole gender argument, but I think it, it comes more naturally for women. Yeah. Um, you know, we are the, like the bearers of the next generation. Like we are, our, our power source is enormous. So, and yet has been put down for so long. So yeah, I think it's, um, it's definitely evolved.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's um, amazing. And I was going to ask you as well, whether you had felt uh, sort of a shift um, in the past few years, just in the environment based on what's going on. Massively. Yeah, and it sounds like that shift was felt internally for you as much as it was externally in the world
1: 100% 100% and it was all there's also um just participating in the energy of um what's happening in the world as well as how it is reflecting back to you um i never you know i didn't have a mentor and i didn't have um you know i didn't have anyone to look to mm. to you know, make sense of this evolving role that was, you know, director of investor relations, right? I mean, it's like yeah. <laughs> you know, like I mean, <laughs> I mean, but you know, has this has <laughs> the industry that, you know, I you know, I mean it has as it has evolved, um, that role has taken on more, you know, significance and has changed in complexity. But um You know, I think the, my voice has also, I mean, it's grown with it because, you know, I've had this reflection of, you know, women and, and probably just realization, like really waking up a little more um, of the women who are fighting for equality, who are teaching you to stop asking permission. Yes. No one ever. I mean, I'm from Ohio. We say, I'm sorry but like, that's the first thing that comes out (laughs) of my mouth. Like, I'm sorry I'm in the way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you know, I tripped over your foot that was there. (laughs) I'll be sorry. You know, so that's been, you know, that's been an an enormous change, you know, for me. Um, And just the permission thing, man, that was plugged into me deep.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, Uh, I. it's crazy that you bring up that. Word specifically because the very first tattoo I ever got as a person who never thought I would get tattoos is the word "permission" on the inside of my left bicep. Oh, so um, <clears throat> It comes from um, a movement class that I took uh, in which I basically learned how to meditate for the first time. And (laughs) that we were instructed, we were lying on our backs, you know, for, for 10 minutes of doing nothing, uh, and instructed that we were responsible for absolutely nothing during this 10 minutes, except for awareness of whatever comes up, you know, in our bodies or emotionally and permission to let that exist. And so Mm. I gave myself this, um, tattoo as, permission always to have my feelings, whatever those feelings are. Oh, that's, and, that's beautiful. Uh, uh, thanks. Yeah. I like it. It's a good, it's a good reminder. And, um, I wonder, you know, this, this culture of like, I'm sorry, uh, the very sweet, nice Midwesterners, but also many other people and especially women, um, and something that you said a little bit earlier about empathy coming more naturally to mm-hmm. women, um, I wonder if you think of empathy as a gendered word. It as... doesn't have to be. It 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 comes to
1: it comes to me in a form um, that uh, feels gendered. But it doesn't, it certainly, certainly doesn't have to be. I think that the evolution of empathy might be a little harder for men. And I would say because of the expectations that our society has put upon them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, little boys are, you know, hugged up until a certain age, and then they're told to, like, be a man. And, like, you get, like, hey, buddy, and you smack their back. Like, uh, you know, this one, you know, just little... You know side example, but um, in support of men, I would say that i i don 't think it's their fault that it 's harder to reach
0: no, not at all. I completely agree with you, and um, I, I kind of I think that that conversation has really come. To the forefront a lot lately about um and it could just be that in social media i just exist in an echo chamber and (laughs) read all the articles about it's okay for you to have your feelings if you're a man and talk about them um and uh, i have i mean i have a feeling that the corporate landscape will be sort of the last to adopt that but i wonder if you've seen even inklings of the sort of um, breakdown of gender roles Uh, even if it's just a little bit, or if you've seen a change in um, the people around you, the men that you work with being a little bit softer, or is this just a pipe dream?
1: No, um, I I, I think that there is very active change uh, in the midst. Um, they're, They're fighting it every step of the way. And by they, I mean, not just men, but finance as an industry. Mm -hmm. Um, because I do think that we'll probably be the last, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, the, the industry was founded by white privileged men. Mm -hmm. And so that being the core, um, with not very many other, other people, uh, genders or ethnicities able to, to be it invited to the club, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I think it's, it's going to take a, some time, you know? Um, but I have definitely seen change, you know, there's forced change happening. Um, you know, we get diversity questionnaires now and that never happened Mm -hmm. 10 years ago.
0: What, um, never
1: happened five years ago, frankly.
0: Right. What, what does that entail? Do you, you, um, Uh, You receive them from like an HR department?
1: Yes. Um, Or, you know, um, investors tend to not all look the same. So they could be high net worth individuals, they could be um, family offices, they could be an endowment um, or um, a foundation, uh, various kinds of institutions. So you have different sizes. You know, if it's a big type of place, like let's say a public pension, They are fiduciary to um, the people of their state, and so it will be very formalized. Mm -hmm. But if it's a family office with super good intentions that really wants to uh, invest in a business and a portfolio with more um, ESG components, um, environmental, social governance, awareness,
0: Thank you for breaking that down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, of course, of course. Um, And that's new to our our industry as well. Um, The whole ESG movement within, um, you know, finance, it's been around for a while, but it's been in its own echo chamber. There's like four people listening, but, um, but that's, that's changing now. Um, So. Anyway, I think I got distracted, but um, we are, we definitely are moving, I think, in the right direction. You're correct on that observation. Um, It's, you know, I would say I've seen more women hires. Amazing. Wonderful. Um, That's really changed. I've seen more women rising up uh, which is also fantastic because, you know, of course, we all know the, the glass ceiling reference, but when you're really living it, uh, it's just, you know, within an industry that had carved out maybe one or two acceptable roles for women, mm-hmm. it's, it's really cool to see women start to climb the ranks and fill the roles that more traditionally would have been men.
0: I love that. I mean, please, mm-hmm. more of it, please. I mean, you set yes. such a good example. And I wonder if you would, I know you said that you didn't have a mentor in in getting where you got, which is even more impressive. But if you were to be a mentor now to a young woman, just dipping her toe in finance, what would you, what kind of advice would you give her?
1: Oh, gosh. Hmm. I would say, I would say trust your gut. First of all, um, and and trust your voice, you know, because uh, so often I think, you know, as, as women are programming is just, it's working against you. Mm-hmm. And especially in an industry where you're kind of expected to cower, frankly, as a woman. Yeah. Uh, you're you're e- expected to be the one in the room that takes the notes. Wow. And um, yeah, uh, and I, I would, I would say absolutely, know your rights and hold your place in the room take up space
0: love that yes take up space um what what if if you could dream about uh a new world completely like if you could what would be your utopian view of finance um
1: oh my gosh (laughs) What a a fun exercise. Oh, my goodness. I just got all jelly-like inside. I was like, what would I? (laughs) I mean, I think it would probably model more on, you know, some of the better progressive tech companies. I mean, I know a lot of, like, big tech is um, being raked over the coals right now. And I also um, have an idealized uh, version of what it looks like to be inside. I haven't. Um, you know, experienced being a part of, you know, any of, you know, the the bigger names uh, mm-hmm. companies. Uh, but what I see on the outside is, you know, trying to create a workplace that is, is, you know, equal for everyone. Mm-hmm. And also taking into considerations, I know, this sounds like very HRE, but, you know, when I was, when I was uh, thinking about, you know, empathy in the workplace and lack of, lack of came a story, boom, popped into my mind about, oh, you know, yeah. when I was pregnant and not when I first gave birth and how wrong I felt that I was treated and the situation was presented to me. I would have in an idealized workplace, I would have um, child care. I would, I would absolutely, instead of encouraging women to frankly, quit when they give birth (laughs) in my industry, they, I mean, they encourage you to leave. Um, like I would just have it be, a you know, a place that also, um, encouraged the, the softer feeling side of being a human being. Yeah. Um, I would, I certainly wouldn't make it more casual to the point that investors thought, Eh, like you don't care. It w- it's just the, I always go back to the word rigidity of it. It just feels impenetra- impenetrable. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that is serving it uh,
0: as an industry. That's, that's so interesting because I wonder, because you've talked be out about of it. the costumes before mm-hmm. that people mm-hmm. wear. And I, and I think a lot about suits because when I, when I moved from New York to Los Angeles, one of the first things I noticed was that nobody wears a suit. Nobody wears you a
1: suit. right. right.
0: Um, And that includes like, you know, the highest grossing, you know, directors, producers, and writers in Hollywood. They're just wearing shorts and flip-flops most of the time, you know, sitting at a coffee shop and it it hasn't made them any less successful to do so. Um, And so I wonder about this connection between the rigidity, like the, the vision of rigidity and how quote unquote legitimate that makes a person or makes a company. And do you think that that is permanently tied to finance or could you envision a world in which the rigidity isn't necessary, like that you don't have to intimidate people in order to make them think that you are legit. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it certainly does. Um, I mean, I, I I do, I don't think it's a, a permanent, um, situation. I think that it's, um, you know, it, it's an, it's an industry that is, is, you know, I would say due to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, all of the, it, it, it's all of, all of the ways that, um, you know, people function and uh, the way, not only the way that they dress, but the, the up, uptight, you um, way that it, that is just a, p- a part of finance. I just don't think it, it can survive. As the earth evolves, as the world evolves. We've even had, and just as a recent example, so um, post COVID, so everyone's working, everyone, again, air quotes, everyone um, is working from home. I don't know, everyone is working from home, but I know that my firm is and a lot of other firms are. Um, I think there's a shift in recognizing privilege uh, that's new. I think there's also uh, a shift in realizing that accountability can happen without some someone hovering, yeah, uh, and and you know you know frankly breathing just red penning you to death and breathing down the back of your neck um, right. with intimidation, so that you're in line. Mm-hmm. Um, that that you know people is, I know that our you know CFO observed that people in our firm are absolutely. Showing up. They're delivering their work on time. Wow! (laughs) Who would have thought? And everyone's working from home and there's not, uh, you know, it's not like we have cameras installed and uh, everyone is, you know, having to be physically sitting at their desk between the hours of eight and seven. Right. You're allowed to have the flexibility to work smartly.
0: Yeah. Which, by the way, are you used to in pre-COVID times, sitting at a desk from eight to seven? Is that the length of your regular workday? Yes, ma'am. Wow, wow, it's I, I, yeah, and eating it and eating there too. Oh no, it's so much. And did, do you mm-hmm. find that there's like clear evidence now that that's not necessary in order to accomplish Absolutely. just as much?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I'm so grateful for it. I actually don't think we'll ever go back. I mean big big firms like uh, Morgan Stanley are forever changing their model now. I mean I don't think that the enormous building that is Goldman Sachs or you know that it will be to full capacity in the same way ever again.
0: Right. Wow.
1: Because then it becomes an economic thing right. I mean now they've learned oh my gosh you physically don't have to have every single person here in their respective cubes or glass boxes to be successful.
0: Right. Which means that they can pay for less of a footprint of real real estate wise. Correct. Right. And have you found there to be, so with regard to um, staying connected with people that you work with, um, how is it feeling doing that at a distance as opposed to in person?
1: Yeah. uh, With the, on the investor side, it's closer. Uh, I found that, um, you know, having the human experience that is uh, fear around COVID, concern, Mm -hmm. uh, questioning, those are very strong threads. And so, you know, what conversations that used to be just portfolio related, name, you know, equity, name, stock related, uh, stats, All of these, you know, incredibly dry, let me put my report together kind of things are now filled in with different levels of warmth um, and compassion, because people are just openly telling me about a grandparent that they're worried about, who's sick, that they can't see, or, you know, uh, I now know all of my clients who have children who are struggling with young children, being in the same house, not having enough space, um, you know, on, on their own, you know, so I think it's been a very, on the, uh, on the investor side, a very like grounding, cool, op- opening into a different human place uh, on the team side. Uh, you know, still very, very professional. Although I think I've, uh, I've been able to identify, and there are a few of them, but not all that, uh, you know, the, what is transactional and what is more than a transactional relationship is now quite clear. Hmm. Uh, you know, because you know when you're sitting in the same space, sometimes those moments can blur, and you think, ah, you know, the water cooler talk, like, yeah, you know, I'll always know Joe. Joe and I, we we talk about blah blah blah. Right. And then you realize, no, nope, that's a transactional relationship. So we exchange information. And we do what we, you know, have to do for the outcome that we've agreed upon, but it's not—it's not the same as you know having a very human connection that you know will go past this moment in time.
0: Um. Well, I mean, it sounds like a lot of surprises in both directions. Yeah. Um, but it, it gives me everything you're saying gives me so much hope about the future of of this industry. I mean, and all industries are people who are suddenly working from home and now like knowing each other in this more intimate way because we're inside of each other's spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether, whether corporate America wants it or not, you know, the boundaries are kind of breaking down because of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, can I ask you, this is a little out of left field, um, but I wanna dig in uh, and you don't have to answer if you don't want, but have you ever cried at work? Yes
1: and so, and I'm fine to dig in. I you know <laughs> i I definitely have. Um, you know there there were a couple I would say, you know, light moments that I cried at work because of you know frustration or you know, an email that seemed, especially triggering with, um, you know, how tough it was on me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also, you know, had very real human uh, life experiences um, where I, you know, cried at work. Spending that many hours, you're going to have things that come up, uh, you know, because your physical body is in a place for so many hours. Sure. And, you know... um, I I cried a lot, uh, when I first, um, after becoming a mother and then choosing to go back to work, Mm -hmm. I happened to be a post-divorce, um, single mother at that point. And, um, you know, Beckett, my child was one and a half and the, the pain, the, the pull of having to focus so much on what at the time seemed meaningless to be able to get the money to pay for the child. Like it was that basic for me at that point in my life. And I wasn't thinking of the expansion of like, you know, career and what I brought and purpose and everything. I just was intent on, I really just wanted to be with my baby um, and wasn't able to do so. And so I had many, many moments where um, this, you know, sweet woman that I, you know, was uh, employing to be, you know, with Beckett would, would call and, you know, and I would just cry on the phone.
0: <laughs> yeah. It
1: was a real pull. It was a real, real, That was a very challenging time.
0: Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you shared it because I feel like the more people can share experiences like this, the more we can humanize everybody. Um, and that even if it seems like a weird or uncomfortable or inconvenient, place to cry Mm -hmm. in a corporate environment um but it's just the reality the
1: message is no crying in baseball right (laughs) Right. i mean the message like uh, i mean yes i mean the message from you know the men who are ruling is definitely absolutely no crying absolutely inappropriate and renders everyone uh around you uh stunned and helpless uh but it's um you know i i i don't I don't subscribe to that. You right. know, I don't, it's not that I d- don't put on my toughest shield. I do. Uh, and I wouldn't just, you know, have the, the the kind of open filter where I would be overly Im- emoting either because, sure. of, you know, translates as unprofessional. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but again, like we're all human. You can't completely, we're not computers.
0: It's- <laughs> I mean, right before I got on this call with you, I I saw, so do you know who Claude Silver is? I don't. She is, so she's at uh, Media. She is the chief heart officer at Media. So call it, you know, HR or what you will, but she's so much more than that. And she has a, a big presence on LinkedIn and I highly recommend checking her out. Um, oh my
1: gosh, I will. I didn't even know that that sort of role existed. Oh Picture yeah. for opening up my world. <laughs>
0: so she's amazing. And she openly talks about, you know, the importance of she, of leading with heart in your work. And I was just watching this clip of her on another podcast where she said, Um, you know, some people say that, that work is not a place for feelings or work is not a place for love. And she completely disagreed with that because she felt like that would be like leaving the best part of yourself at the door. And that's not serving you while you're at work. It's not serving Mm -hmm. your teammates. It's not serving Mm -hmm. the work itself. If you leave that at the door, it's only like bringing a part of yourself to the table I think
1: that's so, so interesting. You know, um, along those lines, I was listening to um, uh, Brene Brown does a podcast, and she was interviewing um, Dr. Mark Brackett, Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, he teaches um, an empathy course and a feelings course um, at, yeah, yeah. And he was just talking about, uh, it was just a fascinating conversation, because just saying that in, in the corporate world, it's just doesn't exist feelings talk is just looked upon it's looked down upon right most people aren't even you know in touch enough with themselves and what they're feeling to be able to even express it like i think you know as a culture we need training around it even and that it's acceptable to be these very complex feeling people
0: absolutely i mean it it would be foolish to deny it because then you're it's like if if a person is feeling emotionally held or supported or seen they're going to feel more comfortable to share ideas or you absolutely. know step out of the box
1: absolutely and what a better world that would be yes oh, my goodness
0: absolutely yeah I just had this image come into my mind out of nowhere, which of like a a baby crying because they're wearing a wet diaper. And I was just thinking like human beings who have these big feelings that they deal with, um, if they don't actually express them uh, to the people that they see every single day, then it's like they're walking around with a wet diaper and then they're gonna be uncomfortable and not do their best work. Right,
1: and not only uncomfortable, but like, frankly, not alive. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there, you're not really participating in the available brilliance of being a human on this planet at this exact moment, unless you're unafraid to open your heart wide open to all of the feelings.
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, why would we be capable of feeling this whole expanse of feelings unless we were meant to. If it's possibly.
1: meant to be denied, it doesn't make any sense,
0: right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. We're on the same page. Totally.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, well, Lauren, this has been so amazing. Oh and my gosh,
1: thank you so much. This has been fascinating. Uh, you know, of course I, I I had no idea like which direction, you know, we would go, but this has just been uh, a delight.
0: So yeah, thank you for me too. I want to, I didn't know which direction either, but as soon as you started talking, I was like, oh, we're in good hands. This is going to be great. <laughs> um, I, so as you know, um, this podcast is in association with Zany, the app that, uh, Jumana founded that I work at, which is designed to bring uh, conversation, authentic human connection into remote workspaces. And so, mm-hmm. um, I want to, I'm, I'm ending each podcast with one of the questions that Zany asks the team members to give you an opportunity to think about something completely different from work. Okay. Um, so let's see which question I'm going to ask you. Oh yes. This is one of my favorites ever. Lauren Leslie, describe your ideal last meal on earth. <laughs>
1: Oh, and I was thinking it was going to be hard. Um, yeah, so I enjoy the, the eating. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I am a fan. You know, look, I am an o- Ohio gal um, at heart, even though I've lived in the city for uh, over 20 years, and I appreciate the potato. So, <laughs> I am also a chicken lady, um, and so I would say my wife, as well as uh, uh, Jumana, would say, uh, "I'm sure she said a roasted chicken and a potato." And so that's that's my answer. Uh, final thing, um, but potato also uh, it's you know primarily should be baked. It okay. So be opened with all the fix-ins. So okay. I would put meal you know, butter, cheese, sour cream, salt, pepper. That would do be fine.
0: I was gonna ask you, because there are so many ways to prepare and enjoy a potato. So
1: <laughs> <gotta be> <laughs> that's what I, that's I love it.
0: Oh my gosh. Well this has been delightful. Would you like to tell the listeners uh where they can find you and learn more about you?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, no one ever asks these things. In my industry, we hide on purpose. Um, <laughs> I, you think I'm kidding. I'm really not. Um, sure. Like, I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't go there. Um, okay. I'm also, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, but I only post things that are, you know, uh, like a picture of my child or something. So, um, but but sure, if, if absolutely, if you would like to poke in and say hello. I think I'm underscore Lauren Leslie. In fact, see, that's the first time I've ever even said that. So I hope it's right.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to, I'm going to look it up for you. And I'm also
1: on the Facebooks. (laughs) But that's true, again, because I'm medium old, uh, probably the same post as, um, as is on Instagram. and will primarily be of, you know, like my child or the sky or I don't know, a tree or bird here and there.
0: Well, those are important things, Lauren. <laughs> no, no,
1: sure. Absolutely. I'm just saying that, you know, I know, you know, other generations use it more as a vehicle to, you know, speak to the world. Um, I, 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 you won't find that as much with me. Oh,
0: but. I'm very glad that you spoke to the world through <laughs> this podcast. You are such a delight. And I think that the listeners will learn so much from you. So thank you so much for joining me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks for tuning in to episode 7 of What's Betwixt Us Stories of Working While Human. You can find out more about Lauren Leslie and her work at Nitorum Capital and Beyond on LinkedIn. What's Betwixt Us is powered by Zanie, designed to build trust and authentic human connection in remote workspaces. More at zanie.app. Human first, everything else after. Human first Everything else after